Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ezra chapter 5 and 6. We're going to be in Ezra 5 and 6. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Daniel and a little bit of time in Haggai. So a lot of work today to do. We're looking at the people accomplishing the work of God as they listen to the Word of God. All right, Ezra 5 and 6. So I know it's going to be a little bit more reading today, but the main point of this message is a call to live the Word. Live the Word. And I would argue that today is a good day to make a decision, if you haven't already, to line your life up to the Word of God. To line your life up to the Word of God. How do I live the Word? And what you'll see in the text, you live the Word by knowing the Word. You live the Word by obeying the Word. You live the Word with courage. And then as you live the Word, you will be blessed. Those are the four things that you'll see in these two chapters. And then next week, we're going to look at Ezra 7. So for my overachievers, read Ezra 7 before next week, and you'll see how Ezra does this. The Word of God changes lives. We've got to be a people of the book. We have to know the Word. Decision Day, be a people who live the Word. February 9th, 2004, there was a show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And what would happen is the contestant would sit here, the host would sit here, and they would just go through questions. Multiple choice. And the host would ask, is that your final answer? And the contestant would say, yes, that's my final answer. And they would move on with the opportunity to win a million dollars. And there was this student from Howard University. She was doing really well, got through the $1,000 question, moving on, 2000 up to 4000 And this was the $4,000 question. Denny's Restaurant offers a signature breakfast dish named after what sports term? Is it A, slam dunk, B, touchdown, C, knockout, D, grand slam? The contestant was super confident, but messed up. She goes, A, slam dunk, final answer. And then, as soon as she says final answer, she realized her mistake. It's not slam dunk, it's grand slam. And so, Meredith Vieira, the host, uh, is looking at her, and she's holding her like, ah. Meredith Vieira goes, I'm sorry, you said final answer. One bad decision cost her thousands of dollars and could have cost her a million dollars. But today, you have a decision that's more significant than any amount of money. It's how are you going to live your life? It's the question of who gets to tell you how to live? You see, because the idea today in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods is that I get to live however I want to. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Think about the audacity that is to the God who created us. It would be like, we'll use DS, you can't talk yet. It would be like her saying, Dad, you know what? I'm not taking a nap today. I'm not going to go to bed at 8.30. That's too early. No. I'm her father. She's one, so she wouldn't talk back. But she's going to lay down when we need her to lay down. She's going to eat what we need her to eat. As parents, we have authority over our daughter. How much more does God have authority over his creation? 
And yet, what you see in our world, and then we don't have to go out there. Look at our own lives. Our biggest problem is not other people. It's our own sin. And that sin is saying, hey, God, I get to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I don't care what you've said. That's what sin is. And that's our biggest issue. And so the question this morning, decision time, is will you live the word? Let's pray. Father, I pray as we work through this text that you open up our eyes and you open up our hearts. Show us how to live out your word. Lord, what an awesome God. You've showed us how to live and what is expected. Help us walk obediently. And Lord, it's only by your grace. So fill us with your spirit. Strengthen our hands. Give us courage. and Help us live it out. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Psalm 119 is an awesome passage when you talk about living the word. Psalm 119, listen, listen to the psalmist's decision. Listen to the decision he made in verses 33 to 37. It says, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Have you ever asked God to do that in your life? Teach me your word that I might follow it to the end. Well, he keeps on praying. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. He's not wavering back and forth. He's not lukewarm. He's saying, I need to know your word, and I want to pursue it with all of my heart. Your heart can't grasp at other things in life. It either belongs to Jesus or it doesn't. We want to grasp his word so we can follow it with all of our hearts. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Like, this is loaded with prayers. This is so practical for our seniors that just graduated. Every once in a while, you'll see on social media, their plans for, for next year. And a lot of plans are, I want to go to college. I want to get a degree. I want to get a lot of money. Right? I want to do all of this, the selfish gain. And meanwhile, here, what you see from the Word of God is, no, I want to find delight in your statutes. I want to find joy in your Word. How awesome would it be for students to put that in? What are your plans for next year to follow Jesus, to live his word, to do what he's called me to do? Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. That's our prayer. That's what we should be praying for one another. Because our eyes go after a lot of worthless things out there. We want our eyes on the word of God. And then this is, this is the summary. Psalm 119.105. You guys have heard this. It's a song. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. The word of God should be directing our lives. We should be living the word. This right here, this right here lets us know who God is and how we should follow him. The word of God. It's not outdated. It's not old. It's not irrelevant. It is the authority for our lives. And for me, I'm building my life on this. I will go to the grave as best I can, living the word. And my prayer is that you join me. Many of you already have. Let's go to Haggai. Haggai towards the back of the Old Testament. We go to Haggai because we see his name in Ezra 5, verse 1. It's awesome. God brings his spokesman, his mouthpieces, to deliver a word to the people of God. And I want you to see the decision that they have. You see, it was decision time for the house of God here too. 
Isn't it interesting? Every generation has to make that decision. Every generation has to decide, are they going to live the word or not? This is their decision. You look at Haggai chapter 1, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month. This is the same time we're reading in Ezra 5 and 6. This is the same time. The word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai and Zerubbabel and Shittil and governor of uh, Judah and Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. You remember last week at the end of Ezra 4? They sent a letter. Word got back. They're not allowed building. And they said that they came and compelled them by force to stop. And so the people responded with, all right, well, then I'll just build my house. They say, now is not the time for the Lord's house. Verse 3, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. That's decision time. That's what God is saying to his people right now. This is what God is calling you. Give careful thought to your ways. Why do you do what you do? Why do we do what we do? He keeps going. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. It's decision time. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you busy are busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and new wine and olive oil and everything else on the ground produces, on people, the livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God. What an amazing statement. Hey, you're comfortable in your own homes, doing your own things. But God says you need to get to work on his house. You need to build his temple. And how do the people respond? With obedience. You see, they could have kept going and doing what they were doing, but they decided they will live the word. You see, it's decision time, and every generation has to make a decision, and every individual has to make a decision. Will you live the word? If you're going to, my prayer is that you do. Look at verse 1 of chapter 5. Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Ido, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel who was over them. And we just read one of the messages from Haggai, but what you'll see in Haggai and Zechariah again and again, and we won't read every instance, because there's a ton of them. This is what they say. This is what the Lord Almighty says. That's Haggai 1-2 in verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. This is what the Lord Almighty says in 2-6 and 2-10. On the 24th day, on the ninth month, the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It's like a broken record, but what is the point? 
The point is God had a message for his people, and it was delivered to the people. Before you can live the word, you have to know the word. And now I, I know that many of us, well, I'd say probably about half of us in the room. Half of us in the room have been raised in the church. We know the Old Testament. We know the New Testament. We're going to hear about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, duh, I know that story. Others of you are like, who in the world are those guys? And what was wrong with their parents to give them those names? Right? And so for some of us, the call is know the word. But then the second aspect of that, and you'll see this in verse 2 and we'll get there, is to actually obey it. And I would say for those that don't know the word, you've got to dig in. And for those that do know it, you've got to actually live it. And I'll bring this up with knowing. This is a basketball, right? This is a Wilson Outdoor Basketball. As a matter of fact, you see it should be NCAA regulation. Now, this basketball, tell me about the grip, Mark. Good grip, bad grip. Kind of smooth. Ellie, what do you think? You're a hooper. What is it? Terrible. If I was a better passer, Tracy, I'd hit you with a chest pass. Afraid I'd hit somebody. This thing's worn out. This thing's worn out. You, you can't read the lettering. You want to know what this means? Somebody put in some work dribbling this basketball. Because every bounce, some of it comes off. And if you bounce it enough, here's the nice part. It's not all the way down yet. What will happen is you keep dribbling, and then there will be no color to this except the orange. And then you'll start seeing the seams of the basketball, and then you'll get a big lump on it where the air is going to bust out because you've worn it out. But you want to know what? You want to learn how to dribble? There are no shortcuts. you got to do it. It's the same thing with the Word of God. If you want to know the Word of God, it's not just by looking at the cover of the Bible. It's by actually digging in to the Word of God. Now, we live in a country where there is no excuse for digging into the Word. Best-selling book. What is it? Yeah, and it's not even close. You want to know what? They don't even include that in best-selling list anymore because it always blows out the second-best book. 20 million a year in the United States are bought. We're not talking about giving away. Are bought. Over 5 billion, and that was in 1995. That's the latest because they stopped counting. The Gideons, who pass out the Bibles, who put them up in the hotel rooms, the Gideons, they pass out over 100 Bibles a day. 100 Bibles a day. Boom. The average American, 92% of Americans have at least one Bible that they have or have been given. 92%. And, and as a church, what we do is if anybody needs a Bible, take it. Take it. And if you don't have one, we'll buy it for you. There's no reason not to be in the Word of God. It's so available. Back in the day, it wasn't available. But it is now. All right, so if it's available, why don't we dig into the Word? Why don't we know the Bible? Well, maybe you're talking about time. I'm too busy. Put up the graphic real quick on the, the books of the Bible. So, you guys, you guys won't be able to make this out. Give me a favorite book of the Bible, somebody loud. Say it again. James. Guess how long it would take to read through the book of James? 15 minutes. 15 minutes through the book of James. Let's say Psalms is your favorite book. Now, that's a little longer. 
It takes a little under five hours. If you commit 30 minutes a day, you're done with it in two weeks. As a matter of fact, did you know this? You can read through the entire Bible with just reading the Bible 12 minutes a day. You could read through all 66 books of the Bible. Let's say you're an overachiever. You say, you know what? I don't want to wait a whole year to read through the Bible. I want to do it in six months, a half hour, a half hour. Now, this past year, I looked at phone usage. Bad news. If you would spend half of the time that we spend on cell phones, we would read through the Bible in about four months. So, if, if you're serious about living the Word, you got to know the Word. All right. Secondly, not only do you have to know the Word, that's what happened with the prophets coming, Haggai and Zechariah, but they also brought obedience. Look at verse 2. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shittil, and Joshua, son of Jezedek, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. Now, what would happen if these two guys said, hey, now is the time to rebuild. You're worried about your paneled houses while God's house sits ruined, and now he's telling you to go and get the timber and bring the stones and finish the temple. And the people are like, eh, we're good. They knew the word. They didn't live it because they didn't obey it. But that's not how they respond. Do you see that second verse? They set to work to rebuild the house. Here's my question. Many of you know the Word of God. This reminds me of Brother Tim, my, my pastor growing up at Florence Baptist Church. He would always say, I'm not as concerned with the parts of the Bible I don't understand. It's all those parts I do understand, but have so much trouble living them out. It's the obedience. It's the praying for your enemies. It's the loving your neighbor like you love yourself. It's the loving your wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for. You see, it's easy to know the word and not do the word. But if you're going to live the word, you've got to obey the word. Check out what James says. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. That's the awesome part about this Bible. It changes your affections. It changes your worldview. The Holy Spirit fills you to live out the Word of God. It's an amazing thing. Your life will be changed as you live out the Word of God. Matthew 7, 24. We did a Sermon on the Mount series. And we remember that at the very end of the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus, this is what he concluded it with. Matthew 7, 24 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew against that house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew against it and beat the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, we understand that the storm's representing judgment. And it looks like people who do whatever they want are prospering right now. But we know that death isn't the end. That eternity hangs in the balance. And I promise you this, you will never regret a life 
living out the Word of God. You will regret a life living out your own agenda or somebody else's agenda for your life. But as you hear the Word of God, do it. Build your life on the rock. You'll never regret it. Your life won't crash when the storms come. I, uh, I, I was training. Um, I try to stay in shape best I can, right? I've got a long way to go, but I'm working on it. I've been taking this thing called jujitsu for the last probably about a year and a half, two years, and I got enough confidence to get whooped. And I'm going, uh, this has been about two weeks ago, and, and this guy, that, that is, they're called live rolls. And, and basically, you're trying to take him out, and he's trying to take you out. And this guy, I outweigh him probably by about 75 pounds. I'm thinking, I'm going to be okay. Well, I wasn't. He was faster than I was and knew a lot more jujitsu than I did. And he's putting me close to an arm bar. And, and anybody that knows an arm bar, your arm's out like this, and it's not supposed to be out like this because he's bending it back. And I'm feeling it, and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm too old for this. I'm too old for this. I can't have a broken arm. My wife would laugh at me. My friends would laugh at me. I'm just going to have to tap. But before I tap, all of a sudden I heard this voice, get your elbow to the mat. And I thought, that voice sounds familiar. Well, it was the guy who has the school, Scott Smith. He's a black belt. He knows a lot more jujitsu than I could ever imagine. So he says, get the elbow to the mat. Okay, I get the elbow to the mat. He says, turn into him. I turn into him. That makes sense to me. I'm like, I want to be away from him. Why would I want to turn into him? Well, as I turn, I was able to get my elbow down. He says, shrimp out. I shrimp out. I got a leg in. Got my arm back. I was able to defend, and I went back and forth. And all I had to do was as he would say something, I would have to do it. And, and listen, half of the moves didn't make sense to me because I would have done the opposite. And guess what would have happened? I would have either tapped or my arm would have been broken. And you see, the Word of God works just like that. God says, hey, this is how you should live. This is how you should live. And you know what? Sometimes it's not going to make sense to you and to me. Is God smarter than us? Is God wiser than us? Did God create us? Does he know how we best live and operate? Does he know how to give us joy? Yeah. And so here's, here's my commitment. When things don't make sense to me, when I read it in the Word, I'm still going to walk obediently because I trust God. And God's ways are always bigger than our ways. His knowledge is unlimited. He knows all. He gets to tell me what to do. And here's my only response. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Did you know God has a lot to say about marriage? Did you know God has a lot to say about raising kids and how kids should honor their parents? He has a lot to say about family relationships. He has a lot to say about how you work. He has a lot to say about how you live as a neighbor, how you live as a citizen, how you live in community. He has a lot to say about how you give or how you don't give. He has a lot to say about sex. He has a lot to say about gender. He has a lot to say about identity. He has a lot to say. You don't have to guess. You can know, and then you have to obey. Now, I want to be careful. I want to put just one thing in here. Be very, very careful, because in Jesus' time, the people who knew the word the best lived it the least. They had all of these things figured out. They had all of these rules made up. And then Jesus comes and says, that's not what the rule meant. Be very careful when people twist the word. Twist the word. Satan knows the Bible. He quoted it to Jesus. He just took it out of context and made it fit his purposes. Be very careful when it comes to knowing the word because knowledge puffs up. And then be very careful when you live it out. 
understanding that that's a gift of God. God gives us his grace, fills us with the Spirit to walk accordingly. The people who know most of the word and live it out will be the most humble on the planet. So here's my question. Do you know the word? Are you obeying the word? And then the, the third part of that and what you see in this text is it takes courage. It takes some courage. You've got to have a backbone of steel if you're committed to living the word. You see this in verses 3 through 17. What happens are the guys that stopped the work before are coming back. And they said, hey, who told you to get back to work? And then they go on, and in verse 4 they say, hey, and give us the names of the leaders and those working on the building. We're going to go take this to king, and we're going to find out if you guys are legit. Now, it takes courage when you have houses back home and your enemies are at the door saying, hey, you're going to stop this. It takes courage when a group by force already stopped what you're trying to do. It takes courage when you're waiting on a decree from a king and you don't know how they'll respond. It takes courage. You know what? It takes courage today if you're going to live the word. It takes courage if you're going to be a student and live the word at your school. It takes courage in the workplace if you're going to live the word and not take shortcuts, not belittle people, not fight for promotions. It's going to take courage to live the word. It's going to take courage to live the word in your homes. I've been dismissed many times. I've been called a fool. You actually believe a Bible that's written thousands of years ago? You actually believe that? It's outdated. It takes courage. Some people on this planet risk their lives as they live the word out. We're not there. We enjoy that freedom. But there's people on this planet where you see their courage every day to live out the word. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel 3. Many of you know the story. You got King Nebo, right? King Nebo. Nebuchadnezzar comes, most powerful man on the planet with the most powerful empire, Babylon. They come, they take God's people captive because they're not listening to God, so he sends them out into captivity as judgment. They, they go to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar builds this huge golden statue. He says, listen, we're going to play some music. When the music hits, you guys hit the ground. You're going to bow down before this golden image, and you're going to worship this God, this golden statue. And he goes, and if you don't, we have this blazing furnace. We're going to throw you into it. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hear the message. They hear the warning. And they have a decision. Now, here's my question. What if that was you and me? You know, we could, we could come, you know what? When we hear the music, we can bow down. It doesn't mean we're actually worshiping. But at least we'll still be alive. Right? We could rationalize. We could compromise. We could say, Brown, like, where is God? Why are we here? We're captive. He doesn't know where we are. He doesn't care what we do. Like, there's a lot of conversations we could have. You want to know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? We're not bowing down. Guys, tell on them. Hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, your majesty, you set this decree, right? Yes. This is the penalty, right? Throw them into a blazing furnace if they don't bow down. Well, you need to check out your boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't do it. So it says that Nebuchadnezzar was furious, right? He's the king. You're not doing what I say? Bring him here. They bring him before the king. He says, hey, maybe you didn't hear this right. And he repeats the command. When the music plays, bow down, worship this golden image. And he says, if you don't, there's the furnace. You get one more chance. Guess what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? Nope. And as a matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar asked them, what God's going to be able to save you then? 
You see, Nebuchadnezzar was used to gods that don't do anything. Gods of gold, gods of make-believe. But he had no idea that there is really a God. And God really does have a word. And one of those words is, you shall bow down to no idols. There is no God but me. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that. And they lived it. And they had the courage to follow it. So they tell him, listen, the God that we serve is able to save us from the fiery furnace. But know this, if he doesn't, if he doesn't save us, we still will not bow down to your golden statue. That's what they said. That's the courage I'm talking about. That's the backbone I'm praying for myself and my family and my church. That's what I'm praying for you guys. That's the type of backbone we need. I'm going to follow Jesus even if it costs me a promotion or a job. This is the word of God. I'm going to follow the God, and this is the courage I'm going to display as I do it, because it will require courage. So what do they do? They take these guys, they throw them in the furnace, and the furnace was so hot that it burned the soldiers that threw them in it. Then all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar's looking, and they're like, whoa, hey, we threw three guys in, right? Yes, that's right, your majesty. Well, there's four in there, and one looks like the sons of God. Well, yes, God is with his people. And God rescues Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then Nebuchadnezzar puts out another decree. Hey, you're only going to worship this God. That's the courage. That's the courage we need to follow God. And now, now is the time to have that courage. Whatever the cost, live the word. And then, here's the cool part. It's like, oh man, I'm going to live this word. I'm going to sacrifice. It might cost me a lot. What you get is so much more than what you give. If you commit to living the word, knowing the word, obeying the word, and having the courage to follow the word, look at what happens. This is all of chapter 6. God blesses his people. So if you live the word, you will be blessed. Now, I want you to be careful. This doesn't mean you get a lot of money. This doesn't mean any of that. But listen to what it does mean. Number one, you'll be blessed with provision. So these guys send this letter to, to the king and say, hey, check, these guys are building again. Let me know. Listen to the response. Ezra 6, 1 through 4. King Darius then issued an order, and they searched the archives, stored treasury at Babylon. A scroll was found in the citadel of Ecbatana in the province of Media, and this was written on it, memorandum. In the first year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt as a place to present sacrifice, unless foundations be laid, to, uh, it is to be 60 cubits high, 60 cubits wide, and three courses of large stones and one of timbers. The costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. Well, that's interesting. Here you have the enemies of God writing to this king saying, hey, you need to stop this. What he finds out is not only should they be building, we should be paying for it. How awesome is that? The people follow the word of God, and guess what God does? He provides for the tasks that he calls them to. Whatever God calls you to, he'll equip you to live it out. He'll provide. We're to reach Covington. He's going to provide for that mission. He always has and he always will. This is the God that we serve. When you live the word, be expected on the blessings of God because they're coming. This is what you see with his provision. In 6 through 13, it gets even better. Now then, Tatanai and Shathar, the two enemies that were starting all this trouble for God's people, verse 7, do not intervene with the work of this temple of God, 
Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on his site. Moreover, I hereby decree that you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of the house of God. Their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of the trans-Euphrates so that the work will not stop. God provides. But not only God, does God provide, he also prospers his people. He also prospers his people. On down, you see this in verse 14. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai and Zechariah. They finished building the temple according to the command of God of Israel. Isn't that an amazing testimony of the faithfulness of God? He calls the people to the task, but he doesn't say, hey, you need to figure out the strength. You need to figure out where you're getting the resources. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. No, he's with his people. You see, when you live the word and you have the courage to follow the word, God blesses with providing, God blesses with prospering, but he also blesses with his presence. Back in Haggai, this is a beautiful text. This is the second message Haggai encouraged the people with. And this is what he's encouraging us with also. Please hear this. Who of you has left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it seem like nothing? You see, there were people in this Ezra chapter 6 who saw the temple in its glory, built by Solomon, huge, beautiful. Here's my question. There's people here at Ashland Avenue that saw a better day here. The place was packed. People had to sit in the balcony, and it wasn't because they had to do sound. Does this seem like nothing? That's what, that's what the prophet's asking the people of God. Listen to God's response. But now, be strong. He says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people in the land, declares the Lord, and work. And work. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your giftedness. This is what is true. God is calling you to be strong, and God is calling you to work. And there's a million things you can do. If you know the word, write the word down. Give it to somebody on Sundays, and, and just make a mental note. Every Sunday, I'm going to show up with index cards filled with Bible verses that have changed my life, I'm going to pass them to people I don't know. And they may look at you like you're crazy. But you want to know what? You will be faithful because God has called you to be strong and get to work. And we keep reading. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. We're not much. If everybody shows up, we're at about 120 to 150 people. And there's 40,000 people in Covington that have no idea who Jesus is. Not much, right? But if God is with us, we can be strong and we can get to work. And that is what is promised in this text. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and will come. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. God is at work. And he blesses his people as they live the word. Have you made a decision? There's three passages that if you're taking notes, I need you to write down. Three passages that if you're taking notes, I need you to write down. Joshua 1.8. Look at the pattern that you'll see in these three passages. Joshua 1.8. 
Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Do you see the three things? Know the word, do the word, you will be prosperous and successful. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. That's know the word. But then we keep going, we see the pattern. Whatever they do, that's doing the word, prosper. That's blessing. One more time, James 1.25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Know it, do it, be blessed. Does this represent your life? Are you committed to knowing the word, doing the word, and then watching how God blesses? This right here, in Ezra 5 and 6, you have years that have passed, and the people have given up on God. And listen, this is a faithful group. This is the group that left their home back in captivity to come back home to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. But they were stuck, and they were stopped. Day after day, month after month, year after year. So much so, they were able to build houses for themselves. But God wasn't done with them yet. And he sends his word, hey, why aren't you building? And the people respond by getting the word. We don't have time to waste. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's true. That's true. We see this all throughout the Bible. God called Joshua to lead his people into the promised land, and he tells them to be strong and courageous. There were giants living in the land, and yet Joshua obeyed the word of God. Jesus calls his disciples over to feed over 5,000 people. That's an impossible task right you can get me one pizza today which is more than the disciples had and say hey i'm going to feed you guys here for lunch wouldn't happen couldn't do it too many people yet the disciples even though they didn't know how it was going to happen had the people sit down and they deliver lunch to over five thousand people because they knew the word they followed the word peter in a boat sees jesus jesus says come on out Peter starts walking towards him. You see, I think sometimes we forget that when we follow God's word, it's not a duty, it's a delight. God honors people who follow his word. If you live according to his word, you will glorify God, and what you will find is joy. You see, chapter 6 ends with a repeating sound of joy. They're celebrating Passover, celebrating what God has done. But we also know this about Passover. We don't sacrifice a lamb anymore for Passover because there was a lamb that was the Passover lamb. His name's Jesus. And it talks about how the temple was built so people can experience the presence of God and have peace with God. And we know that there's a greater glory than any temple, and it's Jesus, who is the cornerstone. 
who is building a temple with individual stones that will not be shaken. If you're going to follow the Word of God, it starts by turning to the Son of God. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Him, today is a good day. Do that. Maybe you're here, and you know what? There was a time in your life where you consumed the Word of God, but it's grown cold in your life. Make a decision today. Let that be your final answer, that you will commit for the rest of your days to know the Word of God, not just to know it, but to obey it, and then pray for courage as you follow it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for gathering us here this morning. Lord, there is so many people in the room with so many different backgrounds, but no one's here by accident. You have a word for them today. And so, Lord, I pray that they hear and they obey. Father, I thank you for blessing your church. I thank you for giving your son, who is the Passover lamb. We thank you for being with your people and giving us peace through your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.